Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Let's go over some Talladega stats, basics for the Cup Series. Not going to go into depth. This may be a little bit too much of reading the numbers, but I just want to familiarize people with the trends, things to look at, ways to use the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, which you can get PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. Send it over to me. Give me your email address. I'll add you to it. There's tons of data in the spreadsheet, tons of numbers to look at. And it's all there for you if you want to help me out. Sorry, uh, no podcast recently as I transition at the moment. I guess you can't say transition. We say transition, people think of something else. As I go through a transitional period in my life, I have to dial down the podcast. Still doing the spreadsheets for as long as I possibly can. We'll see what the future holds. But hey, the spreadsheet's here this week. The spreadsheet will be here next week. I don't know what the future holds. But at the, uh, for sure, the podcast is going to be more sporadic. And there will be fewer of them, but there are plenty of options on YouTube, on iTunes to check out. So we're talking Talladega. We're talking Cup Series. First place I would start, just as a gentle reminder of how we pick races for plate racing and DFS. And you're probably familiar with this. You can look at the spreadsheet and see all the past optimal lineups pretty quickly. And the first thing that you'll notice on your screen and if you're listening on iTunes or wherever, if I still have that open, I don't even know if I have that open. You can see the red for starting position. You can see the green for finishing position. If we're just quickly to look at data trends over the last, basically we're looking at the sample size of every single DFS race on DraftKings. So since 2015 in the fall, when we switched to the six-man roster, you can see all of the different starting positions and results. Atlanta is going to be a little bit different. Atlanta is a much smaller sample size. I should probably jump in first with that and say, I would not overreact to that Atlanta spring race. Atlanta is going to be different. Atlanta might be restricted plate light at times. We don't have a lot of data on it. We got to see how that goes. But Dega and Daytona, we've got plenty of sample size data just with the DraftKings contests alone. And you can see the average starting position for a driver in the optimal lineup is around 23rd place. So if you're picking a guy who is starting 10th, the odds are against you. And even if you're picking a guy who's starting 40th, technically, the odds are against you. It's not that doesn't work. We're just saying that if we average out all of the starting positions of all the optimal lineups, it's around 23rd. And we also need top 10s. That's kind of the knock against a driver starting 40th, a B.J. McLeod. Now, we have seen a B.J. McLeod come through at times in some very chaotic races. Let me see what would be the most recent one, like 2021 spring races, summer races. Let's see. A big example of um, Anthony Alfredo starting 30th. That one really kind of pushes it. That's really at the edge of the averages. And the reason for that is you take the guy starting in the absolute back, while they still have the possibility of finishing the race, while they still have a good chance of avoiding all of the wrecks and scoring a lot of place differential points, their place difference points can be limit, limited now in the 2022 fall race. That wasn't the case, that summer race, because that thing was crazy and chaotic. And so your average starting position at Daytona was 33rd. I wouldn't expect Talladega to be that crazy. It usually isn't. I'm not going to say that Talladega is a mile or tame race. But at the very least, the Talladega spring race compared to the Daytona summer race, the Talladega spring race is much more tame, much more calm, less violent. And here we have a summer race at Daytona, no surprise, 33, average finish fifth. But typically, 
Whereas B.J. McLeod and that car will likely start outside the top 30. The problem is it takes a lot for it to get into the top 10. And that's what the averages suggest. So, all right, yeah. I understand chasing the place differential. We all want to do it. But can the car realistically finish inside the top 10? That's what we need. That's what the trends say. And for the most part, those very inferior cars starting in the very back don't necessarily have enough brakes. Because it's going to take plenty of brakes to get them there. Anyway, so there's your average. And you can look more at the numbers and get some general ideas. Um, here's something I like to do. So if we look at the last 33 plate races, those are the DraftKings plate races. And we say, all right, how many times did a car starting outside of the top 20 finish in an optimal lineup? So basically, we look at every optimal lineup ever, and we want to see, all right, well, how often is this happening? If we draw the line in the sand and say, I don't want to pick drivers starting outside the top 20, it was 190 or 133 times. So there's 198 optimal drivers, 33 races, six drivers per race. This is where I'm like, you're just doing math. This is a math podcast. Was I supposed to bring a calculator? Yes, you were supposed to bring a calculator. 33 races, six drivers are optimal per race. 198 total. Now, if we look at those 198 optimal drivers at all of the plate races, 133 have started outside of the top 20. That's 67%. So two out of three. If you are targeting drivers starting 20th and back, you're doing pretty well. Again, you have an average starting position at Dega of 23rd. Average starting position at Daytona, a little bit more violent, a little bit more reckless, 26th. Still, you need to get them inside the top 10. You have to weigh the cost and benefits to how you go about picking drivers in the very back. Sure, you can chase BJ McLeod, but he's less likely to get there, but you might get lower ownership. All right, so the next thing I'll look at, again, harping on this starting position is mainly what I will talk about in this podcast before I show you a little quick data things in the spreadsheet to wrap up is we can see if we look again at these 100 and 30 or 198 spots, and we look at all the different drivers that were optimal. We're looking at every driver that was optimal, and we're looking at where did they start the race. And of those 198 spots, I don't even, I just can't trust this. I guess this data is correct. One time we had a driver starting first. I don't know how that's right. There's got to be a glitch. Can that be right? C47 through 97. It's got to be more than that, right? There's got to be. So right now what my numbers are saying is that we look at all these optimals. Only one time has the pole leader been optimal. Can't be. And I guess it would have been Atlanta. That can't be true because I know that there was a Daytona. So I'm probably been missing one on here somewhere. Wasn't there a Daytona? Well, now I got to look. Now I got to look. This is a fun thing to do here. So. You might be asking yourself, why is this guy crazy? I don't know, I'm crazy. Anyway, so my data right now is saying that only one time has a driver been optimal from the pole, and that was Atlanta. Is that right? Been doing this so long, you forget numbers. So far, as I look through on the screen, I'm not seeing any green. So I'm looking at this starting column here. And so you got Eric Allen Merrill starting fourth in Talladega in 2018. That's not first. That's not the pole. We go down here to Daytona races. No in a Daytona 2020 or 2019. Uh, we got a guy starting eighth in Joey Logano in 2019. Bush starting second in the 2019 Daytona. Not there. <sighs> man, I've been doing this too long, man. Too long. Now, also, you'll see this number here. If you're wondering, this is saying how many of those drivers started outside of the top 20. 
So if you look, you'll see Chase Elliott. So if we're looking at the Daytona summer race in 2020, Chase Elliott started 27th. Brendan Gaughan started 40th. Bob Wall started 21st. Brendan Poole started 32nd. So four drivers started outside the top 20. In the Dega summer race, five drivers started outside the top 20. The only one inside the top 20 was Eric Jones at 16th, who finished second. And then you got four. So that's what that number means, if you were wondering. Anyway, so we go back over to this column right here. We can see that drivers on the pole, only one time have they been optimal. Probably don't want to play that. It's like 0.1%. 0.1%. Something along those lines. One time out of 198 spots. It's pretty rough. And just through the top 10, it's not until we get to like 9th and 10th that we have, all right, four drivers, five drivers. Still, that is a pretty small number for 33 races. 33 plate races and only four times has a driver starting ninth. Only five times has a driver starting 10th. And as you would expect, as we start to go further back, we start to see more guys pop up. We see 13 kind of hit here. I think this has a little bit to do with round qualifying in the day. Not necessarily sure. But obviously, as you get into the teens, place differential increases. These drivers have the ability of winning races. And so they are more common. But once we really get to the sweet spot, it's here in the 20s. If you look from 21 to 30, these 10 spots, this is the bulk of your optimal lineups. The drivers starting 21st, six times were optimal. 22nd, five optimal appearances. 23rd, six. The 24 spot, eight optimal appearances. 25, seven, 26, five, 27, eight, 28, six, 29, seven. And then the driver starting in the 30 spot, 10 times has been in an optimal plate track cup series lineup. 33 comes up with 10, 34 comes up with 8, and we still get plenty back here in the back as well. So that's why I'm always very cognizant of the 20 cut line. You can move it forward to be different. You can move it back to be different. But this is the starting point for most DFS players this weekend is around 20. Where you go from there is up to you, how you want to differentiate. Maybe you set 20 for four of your drivers, and then you break away from that trend for two picks or one pick. Maybe you go more extreme and push your line back. It's up to you, but your starting point will be 20th. Right now, as we look at some of the just different data points that you can look at in the spreadsheet, if you go to racefortheprize.com, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, you know how to get the money to me. And make sure you give me your email address, and I'll add you to the sheet. So we can see how many times has a driver been optimal. Oh, Walls, four optimal plate appearances. One at Talladega, three at Daytona. I can see his finishes at Atlanta. I can see his finishes at Talladega. I can see the average Talladega finish, and then where that ranks, his average Talladega finish is 19th. That ranks 18th. He has not been nearly as good at Talladega as Daytona. Some people will argue the same. Some people will say that they are different, and you can find whatever solution you want in the numbers. You're going to find numbers that back up that they are the same. You can also find drivers and numbers that will indicate that these tracks are different and race slightly different. And you can read whatever conclusion you want to that. You want to say that the tracks are different? Fine. You want to say that some drivers just like a track uh, more than the others? That is fine as well. It is up to you. I don't know if we're ever going to have a consensus on that, and that's fine. You don't really need a consensus. For me, I don't mind. That's just more of a conversation than anything. And really, a lot of times when I'm making picks or doing these videos for plate races, I'm reading numbers and looking at the trends and data, but in the end, I'm really mainly looking at starting position. If you were to ask me, what do I care more about a driver's performance at plate tracks, their equipment, or the starting position, 
I would say about 85% of my decision-making would be starting position. And then, sure, I will, it's elephant and rider. The rider thinks he is you know, controlling the elephants, tugging on the, the reins. It's not the case. The elephant is in control. The elephant is making the decisions. And for me, the elephant is starting position. That's it. You can play as many games as you want with the names and the drivers and the teams and the tracks and whatnot. But to me, it's starting position. And I would say that other DFS players and touts are probably in the same boat. They're 85% starting position. And then even probably 10% to 15% um, game theory and, the, and ownership driven. And very much, they might even be 1% who's the driver. They might even be 1% who is the team. They're heavily invested in starting position. They're heavily invested in ownership. You can see Daytona numbers are much better. Again, you can read in that however you want. Average finish of 13th at Daytona. Not the biggest sample size, but pretty close. He's only missed out on three races compared to other people. He ranks number two. We can see their average at all of the plate tracks. That's Daytona, that's Talladega, and we're throwing in Atlanta there. If we average all of them, he has an average finish of 16th. That's sixth. If we look at all of his races, he has five top fives. That's ranked seventh over the span at DK. We are not looking at 2015 and earlier because that's going to skew a lot of the numbers towards the Hamlins and the Harvicks and whatnot. So we're just starting and looking at mainly the DraftKings races. And over the DraftKings era, Bo Wallace, five top fives at plate tracks. That's seventh best. And those were all top tens as well. Uh, Non-top 20s, this is more of a survival rate. That's what I've got them sorted as right now. Guys that are going to finish the race first. To finish first, first, one must finish. And only four times in, I believe, 28 races or so. I can't remember his exact number. That's on here. You scroll over. Only four times has he finished outside of the top 20. Now, I set top 20 so I could use a number-driven way to get an idea of a DNF that may he may have not finished on the lead lap a couple more times. But the quickest, easiest way with the numbers to decide, can this guy survive a race? You just set a cut line of a top 20. If you're running top 20 at the end of a plate race, more than likely you didn't wreck out. You, know, you can argue with me however you want on that. You can be upset or say, well, it's not pro data. It's close. Pretty close. That's what I'm saying, non-top 20. And I think that's a pretty good survival number. Anyway, Bubba Wallace has been the most consistent. You see, oh, Austin Cindric only two times. But again, Austin Cindric has been in fewer plate races. Ryan Blaney's been in quite a lot. He's been in every one of the DraftKings races eight times. He's up there with a 25% survival rate. So three out of four races, we get four, actually we get six plate races a year now. So that doesn't work. But three out of four Daytona Talladega races, Blaney finishes those races. Only one time a year would he wreck out. That would be kind of the way that you could translate that number. Same thing with Denny Hamlin. Since the inception of DFS on DraftKings, once a year, Hamlin will wreck out. The other three, he's got a fighting chance. And then we can see their DFS performance over here. This is Talladega. So Bubba Wallace, last fall Talladega, 10th most fantasy points. You back the year before where we had the rain delay or in a rain-shortened race in 2021, and he won. He scored the most fantasy points. Uh, you go to the 2020 spring race. Ryan Blaney won that race. He scored the most fantasy points. Fall Talladega, I believe Hamlin may have won that race, scored the most fantasy points. You can see who scored the most, who scored the least. That's where they are, ranking from top to bottom, fantasy point-wise. There's your Daytona, fantasy points-wise. Average finish at a plate track, average laps led. And then we can see here how many Talladega top fives, how many Talladega top tens. 
Clearly, you can see Bubba Wallace, four Daytona top fives versus just one at Talladega. Four Daytona top tens. Those are the top fives versus one at Daytona. And then you can see his non-top 20s for Daytona and Daytona. You can see the Atlanta top fives, top tens, the number of races, and overall top tens at restricted plate tracks. There it is. Tons of stuff in there. Is the randomizer in here? I'm sure it is at some point. Hopefully that's helpful. I'll see you guys around as much as I can. As I've mentioned, transitional period in my life. And so there'll be fewer podcasts. I will be finding well. Maybe there'll be more in the future. Maybe there won't be. Cruz has plenty of content he'll pump out. There's other podcasts out there. There's other spreadsheets out there. There's other Twitter accounts to follow. You don't need me. But if you'd like to support me, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, and get access to the spreadsheet, you can. There's a link at my website, Race for the Prize. There's a link below. I appreciate your support. I do to it. Make sure you give me your email address. And I will see you guys around. Thank you for your patience as always.